Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Monster Podcast. Uh, my name is Dan Secatori. I am the managing editor of OverTheMonster.com. Um, and I am joined today by arguably too many people. Say hello, everybody. Hello. Hey. Hello, everybody. There we go. Um, we're going to try something different for you guys today, something special for the uh, end of the season. Um, we wanted to bring, we wanted to try and bring at least all of our podcast voices together on one end of the season roundtable. Um, unfortunately, Brian Joyner hit the IL just um, hours before we recorded this, but apparently someone on our team does have his answers. Um, so let's go around and say hello to everybody. Jake Devereaux, how are you doing? Um, and are you going to do a Joyner impression? Have you been working on that for us? Well, I'll make sure to have a lot of pregnant pauses uh, between my answers when uh, when, I, when I do the Joiner bit, okay. and uh, also I'll, I'll have you know that Joiner uh, Joiner hit his head in the bathroom like a ninety year old woman, so that's why he's not on the podcast. I actually wasn't sh- I wasn't going to say that. I thought that might be an OSHA violation, <laughs> so we may now be subject to a fine. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh- that's all right. Someone will pay it. Um, all right. So I figure well, once we get to the round table, maybe maybe we'll have we'll 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 finish each topic with you as joiner coming in to read his answer. Um, and we'll see how that works. We'll get there. Perfect. Um, Keaton, Keaton DeRocher, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be here. Got a bunch of people here. It's be a lot of fun. All right, we are happy to hear you, uh, happy to have you, and happy to hear you and see you. Although, as we found out testing this prior to the show, that might not continue um, for the entire recording. We'll find out. Um, Bailey Von Schneider, out on the West Coast, how are you doing? And have you seen Mookie lately and given him a hug for me? Uh, 
I'm doing well. Uh, I did see uh, a game where Mookie did play more recently, and I more was like, oh, Dodger fans, you're never going to get that 2018 season like we did, so I got to enjoy that. I don't know how (laughs) sure I am that they're they're not going to have a season as good as the 2018 Red Sox, but... They're not going to get anything good as 2018. Mookie's 2018 will not be topped. He's he's going. He's he's five foot nine. They're never going to get a, that 2018 season yeah. out of him again. Right. So I'm not worried. Right. He did just bowl 300 though. So, oh, well, he, we always know he's going to be bowling 300. <laughs> okay. That's not Candlepin though. <laughs> and finally, we got Bob Osgood. Bob, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm thinking of that scene in uh, the movie Naked Gun when they. You know, the baseball scene, they go up to the announcer's booth and there's like 15 people in there and Dick Vitale and Dr. Joyce Brothers and it just is an endless <laughs> flow of people and I'm the last one on the list here. So You be- know what's actually remarkable too about that bit in that movie? That that must have been what, like 1993 or something like that? That was actually like way ahead of the overstuffed mm-hmm. three to four man broadcast booth. They kind of predicted that. It's going to be earlier because I think OJ was in at least two of those movies. Oh, good point. <laughs> yeah, good point. I think he was. He was. In all of them. He was. <laughs> Is that why they're not on TV anymore? Because I have not seen one of those movies in like 15 years. Hey, guys, you guys just want to do a podcast where we talk about a different movie every week for two hours? <laughs> Has anyone thought of that? Is that a good idea? Yes. I think we Love should it. do an OJ podcast first. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that hasn't been done either. Um, Oh, All right, enough of this nonsense. Um, let's get right into it. So we are going to do a little roundtable here. Um, we have four topics. We'll see how long it lasts. It's quite possible that this turns into an endurance podcast um, with just Keaton left at the end talking to himself. It's quite possible that this is a disaster that that uh, lasts way longer than anyone has any use for it. Um, but if that's the case, then it'll just kind of vibe with the Red Sox 2022 season. So that's okay. Um, so let's start. Um, Bob, I actually want to start with you because I'm worried that you're going to have to, um, leave us and go tend to a screaming newborn, um, at any moment. (laughs) Um, so Bob, let's start with you. Topic number one. Um, tell us the Boston Red Sox last year. Two wins away from the World Series this year, 78 and 84, last place in the American League East, ninth overall in the American League, 17th in all of baseball. Bob, what did we learn this year? Well, I learned that the everyday fan at home isn't quite as dumb as they seem, especially not in Boston. Just, you know, you're... Uh, Everyday jabroni sitting on the couch that's complaining about the offseason trades and how they're building the team because I know back in March that we talked about trading your middle-of-the-order power bat and Hunter Renfro for a punchless nine-hitter and a couple of maybe top 30 prospects and ignoring your bullpen entirely, not just closer, but setup men as well, and then continuing to ignore it the whole year, even though... There were relievers that you could run out there, and John Schreiber was a good example early in the season, and they just kept running the same guys out there. Robles, Sawamora, Big Fudge, Darwins and Hernandez, who we all knew wasn't going to work, and then, you know, piss off your two-star players and have that hang over the, the whole season like a black cloud and not pick a direction at the trade deadline. So I feel like... A lot of us saw this season coming pretty early on when it got to late March and we realized that this was going to be the team and then it got to May and they kept rolling the same bullpen out there and um, I don't know. I think it was avoidable and I think that quite a few of us saw that coming. That hot spurt in June didn't give you any hope? You didn't buy into it? A little bit. I did. I'll speak for myself. Yeah. (laughs) I I bought into it in June. Yeah, same. I think they're better than what people think. I think there were major issues, as you you did say, with the bullpen and not fixing it. But I think if they weren't decimated with injuries, they would have been a wild card team. I don't know. I agree with Bob. Um, you know, the the thing that I learned from this season was you can never take a good season for granted. Um, you know, Bloom. Um, after twenty twenty one, I think he got a little bit too cute, and he had a, a miserable off season like. Bob kind of mentioned, you know, everybody 
looked at the team coming into 2021 and uh you know we saw we saw flaws major flaws in right field first base the bullpen lots of questions in the rotation um you know and when we were doing our preseason podcast like you said bob um you know i was looking at this team and and one of the things i said on that podcast was like i want to pick this team to to finish higher and i was hemming and hawing between picking them to be third or fourth in the division. And I was like, well, if I was looking at this coldly and objectively, like any other baseball team, I'd have picked this team to be fourth in the division. Um, but because of the Red Sox, I was like, all right, they'll be third. They'll, they'll sneak into the wild card. Um, but, you know, obviously I, I overestimated them. Uh, and I think the problems were, were there from the jump. So I think that Bloom took, took 2021 for granted and, didn't do nearly enough. And I think we're kind of seeing that now with uh, the, the way that Cora is talking uh, in the media, you know, the, the end of the year stuff that we've gotten from Cora has been really interesting in terms of, you know, talking about, we need to do more and we need to add key pieces and talking about how important the present is. So, you know, I think uh, urgency, that's the big thing. So I'm kind of split between both takes here. Because so my my take was a kind of sarcastic. I learned that if you build a team basically centered around Murphy's Law, that you'll end up getting screwed. And I feel like they came into this season with a team that had an extremely small margin for error, much like they did last year. Last year, things went basically extremely right. So then they tried to just roll the dice on that happening again, running it back with having an extremely small margin of error. And then things started to go wrong that hadn't gone wrong in the past. Not not only just like with last year's players' performances, but like with historical trends with players. Like uh, Trevor Story had historically not been a player that had missed significant time due to injury and missed significant time due to injury. Kiki Hernandez was a player who had historically not missed time, significant time due to injury, and missed significant time due to injury. And I completely agree with Bailey. If we had like 130 games of those two guys, this is a completely different season. But they did miss that time, and the season ended up being what it was because they had no backup plan for that. They had no depth, uh, and they tried to run back a bullpen that overperformed, and hoping it would overperform again, and it didn't, and it just completely imploded in on itself. So I I do also just want to say, though, about the injuries – um, so I'm currently on a, a Twitter account that I have never heard of until I just Googled looking for the answer while you guys were speaking. <laughs> it's called Man Games Lost MLB. Sure. Um, it has 639 followers. Make of this what you will. Um, but according to this Twitter account, it um, proves my point. The it's Red reliable. Sox were not in the top half of the league. Um, in man games lost and in fact if you look at according to them the top five so that's why you don't trust accounts with 600 followers so. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um but i actually i did see something earlier back in in august too that was looking at this like if if you look at it in terms of of dollars lost the red sox are way up there but that's almost entirely a function of chris sale if you look at it actually in terms of you know man, of like man games but I, I guess the point is, I actually don't know how injured they are. They they seem it, – it seems like it was a devastating year for us. But when you're relying on Chris Sale and Rich Hill and Nate Eovaldi and people like that to stay healthy, how good of a plan is that in the first place? Yeah, I agree. I think my takeaway really was that you can't be complacent. I think they were extremely complacent with what – went on this season and they weren't willing to fix certain issues. So we were seeing these injuries and like, you know, Keaton discussed, it's like, we just didn't have, you know, the depth to make up for it. And it was like, we see that there's an issue with the bullpen, but you're not doing anything about it. And while the injuries, see, I think with the injuries, we might not have had the most injuries, but we had extremely impactful injuries. Like Kike going down was extremely impactful. Story going down. Uh, Chris Sale just sneezing and breaking a rib. Like, I don't know. It's just like these things were just 
detrimental to the overall success of the team. And again, that is being, but not doing anything about it was just being complacent. And looking at 2022, I also completely agree that you looked at it and you said, oh, great, so maybe we don't have to do many things. But no, you still did because you greatly overachieved in 2021. And that's what some fans are like, oh, well, like you were two games from the World Series. You should have done all of this stuff to like make it, to make the team better. Yes, you should have done things to make the team better than what we saw. But at the same time, it's like you had to really look and see that that team extremely overachieved. I always said that 2023 and beyond is when this championship window starts to begin and when you should really actually be investing in this team. I didn't think... They should have been investing hugely in 2022, but I think that they needed to make smarter decisions on certain things, and especially the bullpen. I think that was a, a bullpen really, really absolutely destroy, helped destroy this season. Can I ask a follow-up to that, though? Why Why wouldn't they invest in 2022? Because I, just, I didn't see that that 2021 team was really, truly for real. Like, I think there was a lot of overachieving. So it's like, and I think they invested smartly enough in it. Like, they went out and got Trevor Story. Like, people don't, like, really look at the fact that they really improved the second base and he went out and played when healthy. He played, like, gold glove caliber second base. So I think they improved technically on 2021. It was just they had a lot of issues and they should have improved a little better. But I wasn't like, to me, it wasn't like go out and spend all the money on Kevin Gosman or spend all the money here. I just didn't think 2022 was necessarily the time to start blowing the bank. Especially, I didn't think that that was a great free agent class either. Granted, I don't think this free agent class is that great either, but um, I think they're in a better position now organizationally to not only spend more money because there's a ton of money coming off the books, but to actually make trades that could help the team be better in the now. Does that make it more or less confusing what they did at the trade deadline then? The the trade deadline confused me a lot. And I think (laughs) the big reason with the deadline, at least for me, my perspective on it was they just weren't getting the value back that they wanted on any of these things. They were yeah. like, this is what we want for Nathan Avaldi. And then they were like, oh, we're not going to give you close to that. And then it's like, well, we're not going to trade him. I think that's sort of what it was. And I don't necessarily know if that's the, the right play. I think maybe they should have traded Nathan Avaldi. I think they maybe should have traded JD Martinez. Like I'm, I'm a person that's like trade. I'm, I'm excited for this off season. Cause I think this team is going to look so much different, but I think this is actually going to be a really good team in 2023. All right. Well, that is a, that's a great uh, segue to round two, although I guess I will have to pause. Um, Jake as joiner, what did what did you learn in, in 2022? So I learned uh, as joiner that the floor of this approach is too low. Um, and, you know, just, just to elaborate on this a little bit for Brian, um, the floor of the trying to find... Wait, is that all he said? He sent you a four-word answer? He, he... Well, yes, he did. He did. He sent me like a, a eight-word answer. But um, uh, I think what Brian means by this, the floor being too low with this approach, is that I think that the, uh, the way that Bloom has been conditioned to try and build teams is to try and find lots of diamonds in the rough. And in particular, I think that's the way that he... Uh, prefers to build a bullpen, and he said as much. Um, so, you know, for every John Schreiber that's out there, I think that there's, uh, you know, a lot of guys who just suck, like uh, we we ran through this year, and I, I don't think that that's a reliable way uh, to go forward building a bullpen. I think it's definitely a way, um, but, you know, when you have the resources like the Red Sox do, you don't need to exclusively take that approach of trying to find guys off the scrap heap and, uh, you know, some some sort of a combo approach of not, you know, spending no money on the bullpen, but also uh, using the approach that he, he uses and is comfortable with. I do think there is a kind of fear um, with the Bloom era, although this is a fear that I think Red Sox fans have had going back to Theo Epstein, that the team does have a tendency to try to get too cute, to to think that, that they are always the smartest front office in the room um, and can always find ways to, to fit uh, square pegs into round holes. Um, but like I said, I also really think that that's kind of been a hallmark, other than the Dabrowski years, where where you know Dembrowski saw a square hole and said, "I'm going to go pay for a square." 
Um, I do think that kind of has been the hallmark of the Red Sox front office pretty much in this ownership era. Um, so let's go ahead then and look to the offseason. Um, Keaton, why don't you start us off? Give me the name of one free agent or um, trade target you would like to see the Red Sox go after. Sure. Well, I did mention this at the end of the last, no, two two Red Seat pods ago, pretty briefly. And you didn't say this really had to be realistic. So my first name is Shohei Otani because uh, he's really <laughs> freaking good. I don't know what the Angels are doing. Mm-hmm. I would give up everybody that I needed to to get him. And I feel like the consolidating a roster position into you know one roster position, two players, is something that Bloom would love. And being able to essentially roster an extra player, theoretically. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I do want to say, though, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I did um, read a, uh, some anonymous tweet. I apologize to whoever sent this out because um, I have absolutely no memory of, of who it was. Um, and they put the, the, the dual position nature of Shohei in a way that I've never heard it before, um, which that it actually could increase your risk because... Um, just, just as you said, as, as in the same way that he saves you a roster spot by being an all-star caliber pitcher and an all-star caliber hitter, if he gets injured, you're losing two players, not one. Um, which is honestly something I had not considered with Shohei before. Um, it does not change my opinion that I absolutely, um, would, would probably commit like a small misdemeanor to get (laughs) Shohei in Boston. That would make (laughs) me so happy. Um, um, but it is it is something else to think about. Sure. It certainly is a pain in the neck to juggle his usage. And certainly with, yeah, just him being on the field all the time and, you know, bouncing back and forth between playing the field and hitting and pitching, that adds a little extra stress. But worth it, in my opinion. And I would, whatever I would need to do to obtain him, I would do it. Um, and I, I think if... Um, Bloom is looking to make the splashes of all splashes. Mm-hmm. That would be it. It would. It really. I would would. like that a lot. Splashier than my uh, sale in Marcelo for Fernando Tatis deal. Yes. <laughs> is that a Shohei Otani pillow behind you, Bailey? It is a Shohei Otani pillow. I got it when I went to the <laughs> Angels game. Seems like you should like talk that. next. Then <laughs> that's great. They have they pillow had a pillow giveaways? giveaway. Yes, they did. It's his that's face. Awesome. It's very like Andy Warhol like. <laughs> I, too, would very much take Shohei Otani, but, God, it would cost so much. It would cost just so much. That's the only thing. Like, oh, so much. Anyone want to go on record saying they don't want Shohei Otani? No, everybody, of course, would want him. But you would. to me, it's like if you're giving up that much, you have to immediately extend him. Like, immediately. Yeah, I think that. I, oh, yeah, that's imperative, I think, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, all right, Bailey, so who you got for us? Well, if we're going like unrealistic, but in my fantasy <laughs> world, the Boston Go go however you want to go. The Boston Red Sox uh, need a right fielder, and there's a man by the name of Aaron Judge who just hit uh sixty-two home runs and the Red Sox had a huge power shortage, so that would kill a lot of birds with uh one stone because you're getting uh, the best player in baseball this last season unequivocally, especially if you go by wins above replacement, um, to slide into a desperate need that they have. And it would just warm my soul and all of my heart by uh, stealing him from the uh, the New York Yankees. I would love it. And the Red Sox have money. They can afford it. They could do it. It's not going to happen. But my God, I would... The things I would do if Aaron Judge was playing right field for the 2023 Boston Red Sox. That's one that I want no part of. To I be absolutely want honest. it. He proved he's healthy. Like, I, I would kill. He proved he's healthy once. He proved Two he consecutive seasons. This yeah. whole season. Uh, yeah, well, he's okay. been, and right. he's six foot seven. Like, he's been proving that he can stay healthy. I would do terrible things to have Aaron Judge play on my baseball team. Him being six foot seven just means that he has many, many more ligaments and muscles to sprain the first time he gently walks out of the JetBlue Park dugout. See, I'm not worried in the slightest. Truly, I'm not. I'm not worried that he's going to be a Yankee next year either. I think once they get ousted out of the DS, praying, um, he's just going to go to San Francisco. He's going to go home. But, you know, he won't be in pinstripes anymore, which will make me happy anyway. I hope he goes to San Fran. I'm pulling for Steve Cohn. 
No, Flushing, Queens. Oh, my God. Come on, well, this is what we need to be rooting for, guys. We need to be rooting for Steve Cohen. <laughs> He's co- he is panicking. Oh, my God, that's true. Yeah, he he just he just committed like some extra fraud in order to <laughs> release some more payroll to get judge. He absolutely is. This is this is this is like unquestionably the best case scenario for us as Red Sox fans is for Judge to go to the Mets. Oh my god, Yankee fans would freak out. <laughs> and we don't have to carry the risk. And he's out of the AL East and AL altogether. That is true. If we yes. sign Judge, yes. he's going to immediately get hurt and i think it's going to be like carl crawford so 2.0 that's just the luck no, that the red sox have <laughs> no. that that whole carl crawford thing oh god flashbacks don't don't <laughs> all right so jake who you got other than xander bogarts can i go with xander no i, I gotta go with somebody else you can't go with xander okay no. um as 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 Sam Kennedy keeps telling us, oh, it's up to him, right? Yeah, not of to course. Them. That's how that so works. Can't, so you can't go with Xander. Um, all right, I'll, I'll go with a trade target instead of a free agent. I'll go with uh, Sean Murphy. Um, obviously, they expressed interest in Sean Murphy uh, at the uh, trade deadline. The Kings of interest back again, um, but you know this time I think it really does make way too much sense when you look at the Red Sox organization. They really don't have a lot of depth at the catcher position. The minor leagues is very weak there. Um, so I think you, you know, going outside of the organization to get somebody like Sean Murphy makes a whole ton of sense. Um, he's probably a top three catcher in the game right now. He's in his prime. Um, great defensively, really solid offensive player. Um, does everything you want a catcher to do. So I think that he's certainly worth the money. And I think that, um, you know, with a with a dearth of premium catchers like that, I, and with the importance of up the middle guys, I think it's uh, it'd be a, a fantastic move that would pay dividends not only you know offensively and solidifying a position and giving you more depth, but I also think that it would help the pitching staff. So it would uh, be a great move overall. Do you have a package in mind? Uh, something probably centered around Nick York, I think would make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, Nick York playing in the fall league right now, hopefully he recoups a little bit of his value, but, um, uh, yeah, that's the problem. I don't know. I don't know how much value. Yeah, he's it's, got it's left. a good question. I, I would think, you know, something like a package of Nick York, Cutter Crawford and Jaron Duran might be, might get you in the neighborhood. I mean, if that, if it. that gets us in the neighborhood, I do that deal. Yeah. In a second. Like tomorrow. But I'm skeptical yeah. that it does. I don't, I don't know. know. It's it's so hard to like know how teams value your guys because they all just have wildly mm-hmm. different values. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Maybe they really like Brian Mata. Maybe they, you know, maybe they're willing to part with Miguel Blaise. Um, I don't know. Something to get it done. All right, Bob, we lost you for a second, but you're back. Or at least I lost you for a second. Maybe no one else did. Mm -hmm. Um, So who do you got for us? All right, I'm going to give you the shoot for the moon target and then a realistic one uh, and start with Jacob deGrom just because he's my favorite pitcher since Pedro. Um, You know, if it's me and it's not my money, you know, he doesn't have any injury history like the other people you talked about, right? At least it's over the past year or so, but, you know, 2.52, I think that's like the fourth best ERA in the modern ball era behind your boy Hippo Vaughn I saw the other day in a graphic. Um, But since that's probably unrealistic with the recent um, high-profile pitcher signings, the prices, the sales that haven't worked out, I'm going to go with the 2020 AL MVP, Jose Abreu. And I think that with J.D. Martinez being a 35-year-old D.H., why not replace him with a different 35-year-old D.H.? But um, I do like Abreu a decent amount more. I think that he's made improvements the last couple of years. His strikeout rate was down to 16% this year. He's walking 9% of the time. He had a 378 OBP hitting for power. Um, you know, he's down to 15 homers and 75 RBIs this year, but he's just been a really reliable player who is if you look at his um you know BRF page he's got over 150 games every year he played 60 games in the short season um he would be a, a right-handed bat to play first base in the case that um you know Cassis was not 
hitting great against left-handers, or if things didn't work out with him at the beginning of the season, you have a backup plan at first, uh, along with somebody that can replace Martinez at DH. So uh, I really, you know, I, if you look at Abreu's kind of stat, Statcast metrics as well. He was in the top five percent in hard hit, expected batting average, um, average exit velocity, and he's improved his chase rate in the last couple of years too. And I think that he's just kind of, as he's gotten older, become a smart hitter um, who has that OBP to fall back on, even if he's not a thirty home run bat. Arguably the best facial hair in the American League too. I do think he would be a massive, massive star. He's top five percent on Statcast with that too. Yep, of course. Um, I do have to say, I guess, well, I, I'm a little, I'm, I guess I'm a, I'm sort of surprised. I'm sort of not surprised. Um, everyone's picks were pretty hitter heavy, um, other than DeGrom and I guess, and, and Otani. So half of mine was a hitter. Half, yeah, that's true. So I, on the one hand, I'm a little surprised because for me, like for me, it's like, it's very clear that the, the weakness in this team was, was in the starting staff and then the knockoff in the bullpen. Um, but I think the problem is when you look at free agents targets and trade targets, um, every pitcher is so goddamn risky these days yeah. that like, it's like, unless it's Verlander who he, of course himself has his own recent injury history or Scherzer, maybe it's like every other pitcher you mentioned to me and I'm like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's pitching is so scary right now. The other thing is, like, who's going to trade you a pitcher in this environment? You know, pitching is the scarcest resource there is in baseball. And it's like, when you're thinking about it, it's just, I don't know. Like, I'd rather pay for pitching than, than, you know, go and pay up the ass with prospects to try and get a pitcher who might, again, break. At least then it's just money. I actually had another pitching trade target I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on. Pablo Lopez. Love that. Love Pablo Lopez. Okay. I mean, it depends on the package. Like with anything, I think. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you're, Jake, you're, you know, asking who, who would trade pitching the Marlins might, the Marlins might, but who are we sending back to the Marlins? (laughs) Like who are they looking at our, our uh, farm team? And they're like, give me that guy. Uh, Well, Nick York is lighting it up in the Arizona fall league. Right now, slashing 368, 480, 526. He's got seven hits, three doubles, five mm-hmm. walks to three strikeouts. Okay, okay. Let's so may, maybe thing. recouping yeah. some of that. Okay, like that. But yeah, probably going to take a little bit more than just him. So uh, yeah. He's got yeah. three years left. Yeah, not going to be cheap. But if we were trying to isolate a team that might trade some pitching. And he generally stayed healthy. I think the issue in the past was that he didn't. You know, he 20 starts the season before. Yeah. Um, you know, had some arm injuries in the past. Seems to hit the DL once or twice, but he made 32 starts this year. Um, let's do it. I want to do a quick rapid fire. Um, predict, predict the starting rotation on opening day next year. Keaton, go. Oh, God. Um, Chris Sale. Whitlock. Or well, Chris Sale, free agent, Whitlock, um, Bayo Pavetta, Jake. All right, I will go Sale, Chris Bassett, uh, Ooh. Brian Bayo. Um, I'll go with Garrett Whitlock, and for my fifth, Nick Pavetta. All right, Bailey, what do you got for us? Sale. Carlos Rodon, Whitlock, Bayo, and Pavetta. That's not a bad that. rotation. That have it. It's not. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, the Rodon was going to be just off the top of my head the name that I'd go with. I think that they'll probably want to go in with six starters with the risk that uh, Sale, Whitlock, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you know you don't know how Bayo kind of held up for a full season. He threw a lot of innings this year. I was just going to outside the box uh, trade target Herman Marquez from Colorado, um, who I think that could be had for a more reasonable package and just needs to get out of there and get a change of scenery. Um, you know, that's not the ace that I'm looking for, but I figure if you're trying to have six starters for five spots with all of that risk, that might be a, a decent target. But again, not as your number one. 
And so everybody thinks Whitlock ends up in the rotation, huh? Why he's got the he's got I, the pitch mix for I, it. I mean, if he's not, who is? Uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly hope he ends up in the rotation. Um, I mean, it is tempting to sign a high leverage reliever, and if help comes back healthy, to say, okay, we have a really, really strong back end of the bullpen between reliever X, Hauk, and Whitlock. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I, I mean, I always want him in the rotation, but I think I think they're going to feel some pressure to keep him there, keep him where he's been most successful. Um, all right. So does did uh, did Joiner have a, a free agent or a trade target? Oh yeah, he did. Um, Carlos Rodon. So he's uh, he's with a lot of you guys Carlos on Rodon. the uh, the power lefty. I like it. I'd love it. Um, yeah. All right, so sticking with prediction time, um, Jake, who will lead the 2023 Red Sox in pitching war and hitting war? All right, I'm going to be very boring right here. I'm going to say Rafael Devers leads the hitters in war. Um, His season was super weird this year, being that he only hit five home runs in the second half. Um, I think he's going to come back in a big way and essentially replicate his first half twice next year. So I think he's going to have a career season. Um, And then Chris Sale, I'm going to say. I know it's like a punchline at this point. It's basically a joke because Chris Sale's never on the field. But, um, you know, looking at the ceiling of Chris Sale, like even if you, you get 150 innings out of Chris Sale, he's going to lead your team in war. Um, He's in terms of as a pitcher so you know like chris bassett just had a really good season and he's a guy who i think is going to sign with the red Sox, and he was like a 2.7 war uh player um sale could do that by the all-star break if he's at all right so i just i feel like one of these days sale has to like be healthy i had the exact same two for the exact same reasons if he does end up leading the team, leading the pitching staff in war, is there any way that they're not in the postseason this time next no. year? I mean, if you have a healthy Chris Everyone Sale, sucks. yeah, it's it's going to be hard to suck. Yeah. All right. So, Keaton, you had the same too. You had Devers I and sure Sale. Did. All right, Bailey, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense if Sale is healthy, and I. I pray that he is. Um, to me, it's Rafael Devers 100% when it comes to offensively. I think, like you made the the comment about how there was only five home runs since the break, I firmly believe that he is actually really injured and he's playing through all of these injuries. So a healthy 2023 for Rafael Devers, I think it's going to be huge. That's why I think we need to lock him up this offseason before he pulls an Aaron Judge and a bets on himself and has a monster season and it's going to cost you even more money. Um, so Devers definitely for me, and I can definitely see Sale um, for sure. But I, I like I said, I want Carlos Rodon on my team, so I'm gonna go with Rodon from the pitching standpoint. I'm All right, good. Bob, are you going to be the person to say that to go out on a limb and say that the player who has led the Red Sox in WAR the past two seasons is going to lead them next year as well, or are you gonna go with someone else too? I was gonna change the pitcher up. Does that work? Go for it. So you're saying Devers too? I'm saying Devers. Sorry, that's just what I have. So I'm gonna go with it. But um, how is Xander not getting the love? I'm gonna say Garrett Whitlock for pitchers. Ooh. I I think that it, the answer might be you know free agent that they bring in, but not knowing who that's gonna be on the current roster, I can't go with Chris Sale because he has not been healthy since 2018. I mean, even in 2019 when he made 25 starts. Um, it just, that wasn't him. And he was pitching what turned out to be injured the whole year. So it's going to be five years since he was fully healthy. The last time that he put up more than the three and a half war was 2018. Um, so I say, even if Garrett Whitlock throws 150 innings in the rotation next year, that at least, uh, who is currently on the roster, um, I'll take him to, to lead the team. I like that pick a lot. That's a fun one. That's one that could go either way that it, it, it there's a scenario where if Garrett Whitlock leads the, the, the pitching staff in war and he leads it at like 
that we're in a really, really bad spot. Or there's a scenario where um, he he reaches his potential, which in my opinion, he's going to be a guy, if he gets a chance to start, who's going to get Cy Young votes in his career. Um, so, yeah, maybe he puts up like a four or five win season. Um, and if that's the case, if that's if Garrett Whitlock is leading the team in wars with a four or five win season, then that's another one I would say, like, we're in the postseason, I think, if that's if that's the case. All right, so no one is going to pick Xander, even though he's led the team in war. I, I had his name written down, but I I, I erased it just because I don't know. Like I feel like a big a big year is coming for for Devers next year. I, you know, I think there is a vocal minority of Red Sox fans who think that Devers is slightly overhyped. I do not count myself among that contingent, but I think they would sort of those people would probably point to this podcast and say, you know, I mean, what is his, his highest war to date? It's probably, has he broken five yet? Maybe in 2019 he did 5.4 in 2019, which still put him behind both Sander and Mookie, at least by B I'm, I'm going B war here, not F war. Um, but I do think there are people out there that are, you know, saying that he's, he's been pretty up and down in his career. He's, super young so i don't know why you wouldn't expect him to be up and down 2019 was 6.7 by f4 6.7 f4 so he interesting so he and xander generally does better by f4 too right so this must be the defensive run save issue yeah um yeah he was pretty good defensively by their metrics in 2019 all right. So what uh, what did Joiner give us? He gave us the same as Bailey. Um, it was Devers and Rondon. That would be pretty great. Um, Hector Rondon, <laughs> Carlos Rondon. What? We are going to have to figure. It is. <laughs> everyone pronounces it either Rondon or Rodon. It is Rodon, Rodon right? Rodon. Yeah. Rodon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's Rodon. it. <laughs> Rodon. Yeah, Carlos Rodon. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to have to definitely know it for next year. All right. Our final topic of the pod, Bailey, you're going to start us off here as the resident um, High and Bloom defender. Fill in the blank and uh, and then you can feel free to elaborate. High and Bloom will be the uh, whatever he is, vice president of baseball ops of the Red Sox for how many more years? See, I, I look at it as this offseason is extremely vital to High and Bloom and whether or not he makes the smart decisions, the right decisions to truly improve on the 2023 team. If the 2023 team is successful, which I believe it can be, with the right either trades or offseason modifications, I think he could be here indefinitely. I think it's, it's really that. I think it's really dependent upon the success of 2023. If he goes out and he doesn't approve on the team the way we know that he absolutely can, and he sort of, again, stays complacent, I think he's done. Like, And as much as I love him, I just think he's done if he doesn't do the right things this season. But if he does, I believe in the model that he is creating. I believe in the farm system that he's creating. And if you have a successful 2023, I think he's like Andrew Friedman. He's just staying there for as long as he wants to, you know, like a, like a, a Theo Epstein situation where you leave on your own terms. But I think that's determinant of what he does this offseason and the product that he puts on the field. All right. So if I have this right, your answer is either one more year or forever. Yeah, I mean, I really do. I think it's really determined on what he does this season. And I mean, that's why I think it's 100%. I think it's like... If he does the right things and puts a like a really good baseball club together, I think this job is for however long he wants it to be. But if he goes out and does what he did this offseason and doesn't improve on the team in places where he should, I think he's done. And I think like I really think that's that's it, you know? Cuz I can't say, "Oh, he's going to have 6 more years or 8 more years or he's completely I think this offseason will prove the fate of High and Bloom." I completely agree with Bailey there. I mean, I think that, uh, well, not about the indefinitely part. 
um, for for Heimblum. Like I think everybody has a shelf life eventually, um, but I do hope that if he does leave, he leaves in a ape suit like um, <laughs> yes, like, like, Theo. like Theo Epstein <laughs> of course, did. Of course. Um, Where do you think that suit is? Is that still hanging around the Fenway offices? Smithsonian. Uh, I don't know. That's where I would it's put probably it. in the Baseball Hall of Fame, given yeah. his track record. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I'm going to take the more pessimistic side here um, on the Heim Bloom sitch. Um, Heim Bloom has not shown the ability to go out and have that type of an off season um, yet. And uh, you know, as much as I do believe in a lot of the things that he is doing, I do like the improved depth and you know, all sorts of stuff that he's been able to do uh, since he's been here. He hasn't shown to have that killer instinct and the ability to sort of uh, push the chips in when he needs to. So uh, until I see it, I'm not going to just assume that he can do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm very willing to like, you know, let it play out. But if he has a bad off season in 2023, he's cooked. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, in his defense, you know, he and Kennedy have have the line that they've taken is we haven't been in the right position to put the chips in, mm-hmm. um, as you have said. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you certainly that the the, the time is now. Um, so we'll sort of see what happens with this off season. Keaton, what do you think? So I went with five years. Whoa! Mm, tried like to put it. a tried to put a number to it. I agree with both. Jake and Bailey, and also uh, the reason why I put a number to it was because kind of what you were just talking about, Dan, that so they haven't been in a situation to put all the chips in, but they are now, and they've also repeated it several times that they are, mm-hmm. so they can't fall short of that. That's a really good point. Because they've continued to say it out loud and repeat it several times, so they literally can't have a bad off season. They have to have a good season. Whatever it costs, they have to have a good season good off season. So that in turn, I think leads 2023 to be a good year. So Bloom's going to be here for a while, but then the Red Sox front office is always temperamental. Eventually they'll get bored and then they'll oust him for whatever reason, which may or may not be deserved at that point, but we'll see. So uh, I, if, if you think if five years, I mean, that must mean he wins a world series at some point, right? In, in your opinion, or they're consistently in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to win a World Series and like predict a team to win a World Series. Yeah, but I think with a really strong off season, like they keep telling us all we're going to have, then it's going to put them in the situation to be in you know right there fighting for a World Series for several consecutive years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. honestly, why not? Yeah, if you're sort of putting uh, the Red Sox in a position the way the Dodgers and the Astros are, like it's yeah. hard not to say he's going to have his job for five years. Absolutely, if they're consistently good like that, which is something they potentially could become, and I think that's what he's working towards. Unless they do something weird and sign like the top five free agents to like Scherzer deals, where they just give just outbid outpay everybody, but on like extremely short term deals, just give everybody like a hundred million dollars for two years. I'm waiting for some team to start doing that. I really am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, this would be like, we'll give you a whole buttload of money if you're just not here for that long. Yeah. And then, so then maybe that's a shelf life. But, $500 million payroll. And, yeah. And then just reset the tax every two years after they're gone. Yeah. yeah do the Stevie, Uncle Stevie way. <laughs> yeah. Some team is going to try this. It, they're like, someone is going to, try, and we're already seeing it. pretty fun. You know, more and more players are open to it with, you know, Trevor Bauer and then Carlos Correa. Like, I do think. Someone's, yeah, you're right. Someone's going to go in and, and give multiple players a deal like that and just see if it works. Yeah. Yeah, if they want the AAV over the, you know, longer contract, then, like, do it, you know? Yeah. We we lost Bob, but I, I oh. did get his number. All right, what, is, he, what does he have to say? Like, poor internet. Go just for suppose. it. But he went with two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly, he, he believes that they're going to have a good off season here mm-hmm. coming up and that they're going to make the playoffs in 2023 and then inexplicably be bad in 2024. And then he gets fired. 
There you go. Well, it's Love not it. that inexplicable looking at the last 10 years of Red Sox baseball. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. All right. So uh, Brian's answer is typical non-committal Brian here. Uh, <laughs> and he says one, three, or seven uh, with the inability to make up his mind with the number. Okay. Fair enough. That's all he gave me. He didn't give me any commentary. Just three numbers. All right. <laughs> Well, I guess we'll end there. <laughs> With High and Bloom, we'll be here for one year, three years, seven years, or possibly forever. We've got the whole, we've got the whole spectrum covered. Um, so that is going to do it for us, I guess. Um, the first time doing our big-ass end-of-the-season roundtable, which I know I said uh, we would workshop that name, but um, we haven't done that. So I guess that's what it's called. I like it. <laughs> that works for me. Big-ass end-of-the-season roundtable. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, for everyone who hasn't checked out the site in a while, um, please go ahead and do so. Um, we are going to have some good off season stuff. Um, Bob is going to be doing a series on under the radar trade targets. Um, Jake's going to be going position by position. I do know, um, Brian has promised me for a week now, some kind of article about a hat. Um, I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with the off season, um, but, uh, I'm expecting good things from that too. So check out the site if you haven't, uh, any final words, anybody? No, it's good. Looking forward to 2023. That's what I'm looking forward to. Me too. Yeah. Looking forward to eating pasta again. <laughs> what? Did the Red Sox keep you from eating pasta? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just not eating pasta right now as part of a diet, but, you know, I'm looking forward to doing that. Oh, I thought you were, like, on a a, hunger, a pasta hunger strike until Bogarts is back or something. <laughs> That's what I thought Love it was, too. <laughs> and I think we should get that going. Man. Yeah, there you go. Now that we have a platform. <laughs> Let's use I'm this. I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm heading to the North End tomorrow. I'm going to talk to the restaurateurs. No pasta until Xander is, is signed to a 60 <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All, right. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you, everybody. Bye.